Thanks for listening to the Sermons Podcast by Calvary Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Harrisville, Pennsylvania. Our purpose is to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about us, check us out at harrisvilleopc.org. Of what uh, <clears throat> the scripture where we find the Prince of Peace uh, in, 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 in the Old Testament, and that's in, back in Isaiah chapter 9. <clears throat> and uh, I'm, I'm going to go to 8, just to give it a little context. Uh, 8.16, I think I'll begin at, and, uh, and go through 9.7. Uh, but I'm not going to linger there too long. I just want to give you a little, like I said, context. Uh, for this message that's going to be mainly from Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. (coughs) But here now is God's word, and let us hear it from, uh, from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 16 and reading to chapter 9, verse 7. And this is the word of God. Uh, it's not always easy to understand the prophets. Some of these things will, will sound a little mysterious, but uh, that's okay. You don't have to understand everything all at once. But let's just, like I said, give this context. From Isaiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 16. Dear people of God, this is God's word to you. <clears throat> Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. I will wait upon the Lord that hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord had given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwells in Mount Zion. And when they shall say to you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law, and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them, and they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward, and they shall look onto the earth and behold trouble and darkness and dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation, and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, 
And in the day of Midian, for every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be there with burning and fuel of fire, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so ends the reading in the Old Testament, and you can see the context here that there will be a cessation of all war and all judgment against God's people in the future. Well, we're in that future from Isaiah. This was like 700 years before Christ. And now we go to, uh, to Luke in chapter 2, and I'm going to read... Uh, Verse, well, I'll just start at verse 1 and read through verse 20. Uh, this is a familiar portion of Scripture to you all. <clears throat> and it came to pass in those days that uh, went out a decree uh, from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when. Serenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, onto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward man. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. <clears throat> and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. And it was told 
unto them, as it was told unto them. May God bless the reading of his word from old to new. And here it is, that uh, Old Testament uh, prophecy being fulfilled uh, in, uh, <coughs> in Bethlehem of uh, Judea at this particular time. God organizing all the things providentially so that they would be taxed, living in Nazareth, they would have to move to Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy of Micah, and so on and so forth, so that it came to pass this way. Let us now pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be here. Once again, we ask you to be with us, to open our eyes and our ears to the Holy Scriptures and to the Word which is preached. And this thing we ask with the forgiveness of our sins, of course, in the name of thy dear Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, tis the season, as you know, and uh, during this time of year, there are essentially, basically, broadly speaking, two messages that ring through the airways, that uh, over the airways, that that ring around town, that that just sound out. Uh, two very... Uh, uh, very different messages, really. Uh, the one can be summarized uh, in, uh, in three words. Uh, ho, ho, ho. Delivered by Santa and his elk. And you can look up that word elk, if you like, later on. Uh, <clears throat> and the other, coming from the Prince of Peace and delivered by his heavenly host, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Goodwill toward men. I know the uh, the uh, <clears throat> the ESV uh, translates it: uh, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased." And uh, that's probably a better translation, actually. Uh, there is a uh, a difference in the uh, manuscripts, a slight variation in one word. And so it's interpreted a little different. This is theologically more proper. But either way is a fine translation, whether you read it in the King James Version or the, the more modern ones, which all pretty much agree with the ESV. Uh, and it, it doesn't, it's not going to make much, much of a difference in terms of meaning because uh, of what I have to tell you, which I'm telling you is the truth. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see this. Uh, as far as these, uh, these messages go, uh, the one, which is ho, 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 and goes on, uh, the one is readily received by the world. The other, that of the angels, is received kind of yes and no. And you'll understand why I say that in a little bit. The one message, ho, 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 is superficial. Uh, the other delivered by the angels, is, uh, is profound, deeply profound. Uh, the one is temporary and fleeting. Uh, the other is permanent and enduring to the end. The one is for fun. The other is for faith. <clears throat> and we know that the hope for the world is Jesus. I think we know that here. And even the world has heard that. The hope for the world is Jesus, but the unbelieving would rather sing along uh, the way with, as, uh, 
Alistair Begg, uh, quoting from a, a line in a Beatles song, put it, we can work it out. That's the world's gospel, if you will. We can work it out. We can work it out. And so they go merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream until you hear the news of the day and then the nightmare of reality breaks through. It's not so merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream all the way uh, in every day. Jesus taught in Matthew 24, And uh, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of war until I return, until the end. And you, I don't have to give you all kinds of references. That takes time. And, uh, you know, reading the newspaper, the, the headline will go, now we don't read the newspapers anymore, but we listen to the Internet, and you get the news on there, news of the day, and it's, it's all... It's all a mess. The message uh, from uh, our side is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But uh, there appears to be a disconnect between the message the angels delivered that first Christmas day and the meaning uh, and the message of reality itself of yesterday and today which is a nightmare. Every single day, a nightmare. And yet the angels deliver this. Do you see the disconnect? Do you understand what's going on? Do you really understand it? Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Really? Where? The prophet gives... uh, in Isaiah that we heard from a little while ago, he gives uh, our Lord four marvelous names in Isaiah chapter 9. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Followed by of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. We wish to consider, in the time that remains, the Prince of Peace breaking in on the scene of our life in the Gospel of Luke, reported by the angels in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. There were in the country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said, Fear not. Behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with that one angel a multitude of the heavenly host. That's the army of heaven, the host of heaven, the multitude of the heavenly host, praising God for a host is an army. Praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill 
toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That's what I want to talk about in the time that remains. Peace on earth. Have you listened to the news lately? Actually, since the time of Cain and Abel, the news of the day has been filled, not exclusively, but a lot, uh, even mainly filled with murder, mayhem, and maladies. What are we to make of this? Really? Have you reconciled this in your mind? What are we to make of it? First, it must be said that most will not even bother to consider the question, what to make of this. The news of the day and the angelic message 2,000 years ago. They don't, they don't compute. They don't match up. What do you make of it? They don't care. Most people don't care. They go, they go, it doesn't go beyond the surface in their minds, uh, the statement that the angels made. They simply believe that a babe was born in a manger, in an animal stall, wrapped in swaddling clothes, called a Savior to spread peace and good cheer among men 2,000 years ago. Did it work? Well, the message is a good one, but reality is having its brutal way with us to this day, isn't it? Nevertheless, let's make the best of it for uh, a little while at year's end and then a hope and a prayer for the new year to come. And off we go. The way they start the new year, the world starts the new year with partying and drinking and excess, excesses. Certainly, they've done that every year. Why don't they change? Don't you get the message? It's not working. But, you know, why do nations war? Peoples fight. Families break apart. Illnesses spread. Disasters continue. Animals fear us. uh, Plants poison us. Well, we go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. Let me just remind you of this. You've heard it before, I'm sure. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. To the woman I said, I say, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, until thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all things living. 
Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now that, dear people, dear brothers and sisters and friends, that explains the whole mess. That explains everything. We may rebel against it. We may not like what it says about the, the serpent or the woman bearing, having, increasing conception, I mean, having more children, more children, more children than she was supposed to have because in order to have the children of the devil, she has to produce them because devils don't produce children. So she's gonna, it's gonna increase the conception of the woman and there's going to be, uh, children born for God and children born for uh, for Satan. And there's nothing she's going to be able to do about it because her desire is going to be such. Even though they're trying, they're trying hard to prevent it, it's not going to work. It's simply not going to, it hasn't worked to this day anyway. So, uh, so that explains everything. The man, by his work, he's going to work by the sweat of that. All that is, is just, it's very clear. It explains a whole lot. The fall and rebellion of man has brought down upon us all this negative stuff. Every bit, every bit of this negative stuff that you see happening in this world that happens to others and to yourselves. And the fighting and the harassment and all the other stuff is because of this. It all stems from this. The fall of man. Well, is there a way back? And the answer to that is absolutely no. There is no way back to paradise. There is no utopia on earth that's going to be formed. It's just not going to happen. A dystopia, yes. A hell on earth, possibly. But not a paradise on earth. And if you are relying on politicians and educators and all that, you are in for a rude awakening. Hopefully you'll die before it ever happens. But they're trying. Now they're trying with AI, and that's a whole other thing I'm not going to get into right now. <clears throat> so there's no way back. Is there a way forward? Well, yes, absolutely. There is a way forward. There is a way home. This is the beauty of the Christmas message. However, the meaning does not become available upon first blush, but like Mary, we have to ponder it. Mary is the one that does the right thing here, but she was pondering all these things in her heart. Smart gal. Smart gal indeed. And this is what the church does. Then this is why I encourage people to keep on coming to church, to keep on studying the Word, to keep on it, uh, talking with one another. Iron sharpening iron. It doesn't work by osmosis. It doesn't work automatically. You know, come to church once or twice a year, or once or twice a month, or once or twice. You know, it just doesn't work that way. This is what the church does. It ponders these things. It refreshes these things in our minds and in our hearts. Heart. It brings them up and out to us. It confronts us. It convicts us. It convinces us 
of things that are proper and wonderful. This is what the people of God, given a new heart and the mind of Christ, do. We ponder these things in our hearts and in our minds in order to understand this most remarkable historical event that happened approximately 2,000 years ago. The second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, put on flesh and became a man. That's what incarnate means. He put on flesh and became a man, a babe, to bring peace and goodwill from God to man. Okay, but how does this work so that all this mess makes sense? How does this work? And that's a good question, isn't it? When Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they rebelled against their creator. Everyone knows that. You don't have to be a, uh, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven even to understand that. And what they did instead is they decided as creatures that we can work it out. We can work it out. Believing the lie of the devil, they essentially uh, said... We can be as gods, knowing good and evil, right and wrong, meeting out reward and punishment, determining truth and error ourselves. To this day is exactly what people are doing, even Christians, I'm afraid. In that day, they went from being God's friends to his enemies. They went from being at peace with God to being at war against him. They plunged themselves, their entire posterity, all their children, the creation itself, into war against its creator. Hence, the world of men and women, a world created in the fallen image of mankind. Just just look at it. Just look at it. This is man's world. This is what he wants. This is what he does. Well, will God have us back? Yes, absolutely, but not on our terms. See, that's the, there's the rub. Not on our terms. And Christian, not on necessarily your terms. If you don't understand what the Word of God is saying. It's on his terms he will have us back, not on our time, on our terms. <clears throat> uh, and this is the world at large, and yes, many Christians do not accept. Well, oh wow, we can get back to, to in, in a right relationship with God, and, and, and we can move ahead into a new world, into a paradise, and, and change the world and all that stuff. Uh, 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 uh. Not your way. God's way. Do you know God's way? You know how to do it. How this works. What are his terms? Well, when the Prince of Peace announces through his heavenly host, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, uh, upon the birth of uh, this baby, he's announcing a beginning. This is a starting point. It's not the end. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's just a beginning, this announcement. It's a wonderful beginning. The, uh, the, uh, 
the Prince of Peace is proclaiming through the incarnation of the Son, peace with God instead of war. Friendship instead of enmity. Favor instead of disfavor. Mercy instead of judgment. A filial filial relationship, family relationship instead of alienation. In order to accomplish reconciliation between God and man, this man, this little babe, born in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago, this little cute little babe has to grow up. He has to suffer all his life long the contradiction of sinners. He has to take the sins of his people with him to the cross and suffer under the wrath and curse of God. Having accomplished all that the Father pours forth, uh, having accomplished all this, the Father pours forth his grace into the souls of his people through his Spirit. And they find peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice, as Paul points out in Colossians chapter 1 and verses uh, 21 and 22, where the apostle says, And you that were sometime alienated, talk about aliens, we're all aliens, alienated from an enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in faith. So now we're getting the picture starting to that we that the peace of God that's first proclaimed here is a peace between our souls our minds, our hearts with God. It's a vertical thing. We have peace with God now through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, who had to die. He, he, was, he was born to die a terrible death so that we can live and be at peace with God. However, We must come to this. Peace and goodwill on earth. Well, I'm on the earth and I have peace with God now. Is that what it means? Really? It's kind of short-sighted, don't you think? You want to spiritualize away the actual meaning, the message of the scripture? I don't think we do. What does it mean? Peace and goodwill on earth. Yeah, I'm on earth. I'm at peace with God now because I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so do you. Is that, what, is that the extent of this? Is that what it means? Two things must be brought up and out. First, we already have peace with God through faith. Not only in his birth, but also in his death, the death on the cross. The one without the other is useless. It's empty. And that's what a lot of people have. At Christmas time, they go for it. They go for the message. The babe is born. He's a savior. Oh, wow, and all that stuff. But the cross, hmm, sin, 
my sin. He died for me, for my sin. And I have to repent of this sin in order to exercise proper faith. I have to realize that I'm a sinner, that Christ died, you know, all that going on. Now, that, that's a little much, you know, for, for a lot of people anyway. <clears throat> so we already have this piece, but it's through his birth and his death uh, that, uh, that it is accomplished. But worse than that, you still remain dead in trespasses and sin if you do not have both uh, the belief in the babe and the belief in his sacrifice for your sin. If you don't have both of those things together, working together, then you don't. Uh, then you're still dead in your trespass and sin. You may believe in the birth of a cute little baby born for peace and goodwill, but you who are a sinner don't have that peace and goodwill. Not with God. You don't have that vertical relationship with Him. However, you who believe and trust in Christ's person and work have peace with and favor with God now. It begins now. This life. Our Lord demonstrated what that means throughout his ministry on earth. Through his uh, many miracles. No miracles are happening today. And I'll give you five reasons why. But uh, God, he demonstrated peace on earth and goodwill through his many, many miracles. Everyone that came to him for healing was healed. Both in body and in soul, peace. He cast out tormenting demons and devils of doubt, peace. He cleansed defiled lepers and made whole and alive again the dead. Peace. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He calmed a raging sea. Be still. Peace. Be still. He clearly demonstrated that he had power over disease, the devil, death, and environmental upheavals, like turbulent seas and such. The Lord of glory, the Prince of Peace, bore witness to the truth that he could reconcile not just us, but all things to himself and God. That he could bring together God and man, man and man, even man and nature. But not yet. He's gone. And even while he was here, many warred against him and his disciples. Which meant that they warred against God. And which is still the case today. There is no peace. Not permanent, not lasting. Not even among Christians. Not even among members of our own family. Now I said I'd show you that there are... The miracles have, uh, of, uh, of the Bible that's all, that are in the Bible are not happening today. They were for a reason. I'll give you four reasons right quick and then a fifth. The first reason why miracles 
were what, what miracles meant was that first of all they meant they showed that he is the Lord of creation that he is the one that has control over creation he speaks and it is so it happens he commands and it is and so that's the reason what, number one why why those miracles that he's the Lord that he's the creator and that he's the sustainer of all things. The uh, second reason for miracles was that he is, he shows how God is compassionate, how much he cares for us. When people came to him and asked for help, he was moved with compassion. And helped them. He gave them help. That's the second reason for the miracles. There's a third reason for the miracles as well. And that is the fulfillment of prophecy. Right? When John's disciples came to uh, Jesus with John's question, are you the one to come or should we expect another? Jesus quoted from the prophet Isaiah. Go back to John and tell him the blind receive their sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the gospel, the good news is preached. He's quoting from the prophet Isaiah in several places. Uh, that's a, that's a, a third reason uh, for uh, miracles. Do you see any of that reasoning in the miracles so-called happening today? Of course not. It's not th- th- they're not miracles. The miracles of Scripture had this behind them. They show that he's the Lord of glory. They fulfilled prophecy. They show the compassion of God towards us and the care that and the keeping that he had. It also, it, 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 uh, each miracle was a spiritual message. So, for example, when he heals a blind man and gives him sight, it's a miracle that communicates spiritually that he gives, uh, he gives sight to our soul. When he heals a deaf person, it's a miracle that shows that he gives ears to our soul so that we can see, perceive the things of God and hear the, the voice of God in the scriptures. And the fifth reason why there were miracles was to give us a glimpse, to give us a, a, a taste, if you will, a beginning, if you will, to, to see the peace of God that will come to the earth eventually. These miracles give us snapshots of the peace and goodwill of God that will be over all the earth and over all the people that are His. And so those are the reasons for miracles, and none of that is happening with these people that claim they're being, you know, whatever miracles are happening today. Those were the biblical miracles. Those are the reasons for the biblical miracles. There's a a time coming, says the prophet in Isaiah. Uh, And, you know, there's just so, it's just so full here, brothers and sisters. I'm just, I know that there's a lot here, but in Isaiah chapter 2, 
Right? We read from uh, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in his last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountain, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to her, and many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, <coughs> to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, and out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. In those things, the lion shall shall eat straw with the cow, and the child shall uh, be over the, the asp's hole and be able to handle uh, snakes and all this stuff. All this stuff is going to come about. Peace on earth. Literally, peace on earth. Be, uh, everywhere. And the miracles of Jesus Christ gave us a little taste of that. That's coming. Not yet. Until he returns. But that's what they meant. And that's what they were talking about. Peace like a river flowing from one end of the earth to the other. And a flowing river, not a stagnant uh, pool uh, full of germs and, 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 and sickness. Uh, but a river progressing, flowing and progressing and spreading everywhere. And this brings us to the next point. Peace on earth and favor with God can only be accomplished if Christ goes to the cross carrying the weight of all our sin and receiving the punishment due to us from God for our sin, dying under the weight and the punishment that meant for us and on the third day rising from the dead, sealing the prophecy for the angels in Luke chapter 2 are prophesying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill towards men. That's a prophecy. That's what's coming as well. The resurrection is proof positive. Not only that God accepted his sacrifice for our justification before God, but also that he will come again to wipe clean the earth from all war and fights and hatred, all disease and destruction and devastation and everything contrary to peace, everything contrary to peace. He's coming to wipe it all away. Nothing but peace flowing like a river from the throne of God throughout the land. For now, however, he gives us the spirit of peace, who in turn gives us a peace that passes human understanding. You know what Paul means when he says, a peace that passes human understanding? It doesn't reach, it's not reached logically, it's not reached by, reached by reason, it's a miraculous peace. It's a peace that you can depend upon in time of trouble, uh, in a, a calm in the midst of a turbulent world, a troubled sea, while we are safe and secure in the ark of Jesus. Learn how to be in the ark of Jesus in your lives, in the situations in your lives. Be at peace through the peace of God that passes human understanding. You can't figure this out. God will provide it for you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the power of God through his word. He will minister unto you a peace that is beyond what you can imagine, even now. This is the Christmas message, that by grace through faith, men, women, boys, and girls have found favor with God.
and have entered into a relationship with him once again, a relationship of peace now that eventuates into a global peace, a true and certain peace that will last forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. We are thankful for your for the Christmas message. It is indeed a wonderful, wonderful message. Once understood, once applied, and of course accomplished in us through the Holy Spirit. So we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would bless each and every one of us with faith, a faith that abides, come what may. And we ask that you would bring peace uh, and, uh, of course, forgiveness into our lives so that we will have peace, not only with you, but with each other. That not only are we forgiven by God all of our sins, but we are to forgive as we have been forgiven one another. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you give us this grace and bring uh, fill us with peace in our souls. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen.